0: Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you once again, and Lord, we're thankful for those that have braved the weather and been out here tonight, and Lord, we just ask that you would bless us and encourage us from your word, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. Bibles, if you would, First John, chapter 2, because we have the business meeting Sunday night. Uh, just wanted to get the next installment in the book of First John in, and hopefully... Uh, by next week, we'll get uh, back on track again. Uh, but First uh, John chapter 2, we're we'll starting in verse 7. It says, Brethren, I write no new commandment unto you, but an old commandment which ye had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which ye have heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write unto you. Which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is past, and the true light now shineth. He that saith he is in the light, and hateth his brother, is in darkness even unto now. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light, and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. But he that hateth his brother is in darkness, and walketh in darkness, and knoweth not whither he goeth, because that darkness hath "...blinded his eyes. I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. I write unto you, fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you, little children, because you have known the Father." I have written unto you, fathers, because ye have known him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you, young men, because ye are strong, and the word of God abideth in you, and ye have overcome the wicked one. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth for ever. Now, one of the problems with this little book of First John is he says the same thing several different times right in a row, and it's very easy uh... to get confused or turned around a little bit with the direction of the passage and and the best example is uh, uh... one of the best examples in the entire book is right here in our passage tonight verse seven he says i write no new commandment unto you verse eight and again a new commandment i write unto you a- and it almost seems like wow uh... this is contradictory in fact um A lot of people, this is where they get the idea that there are contradictions in the Bible. If you just take these two statements uh, uh, in and of themselves and put them together, they do seem to say two opposite things at the same time. That is a contradiction. But we need to understand something. We have a different starting point. You see, we believe some things about the Word of God. We believe that there are no contradictions in the Word of God. We, we believe we start out from that point. And so, therefore, what we have to do is we have to spend a little bit of time going through the words to get to what John is trying to say. You know, God is under no obligation to make His Word so simple that anybody can get it. In fact, the Bible says, without the aid of the Holy Spirit of God, you cannot get what is in God's Word. That's Second Corinthians uh, chapter 2. And, and so, what we're doing here is, we're going to just go through this passage, and we're going to find out that the New Commandment, and the Old Commandment is the Old Commandment just written a new way. Uh, it's the Old Commandment understood in the light of present truth. And so let's just start right here. He says, Brethren, I write no new commandment unto you, but an old commandment which ye had from the beginning. So he says, listen, this commandment, this old commandment, you had when? From the beginning. And then he goes on to explain it. The old commandment is the word which ye have heard from the beginning. He said, this is something that you possessed, you have it. It's something that you've heard. And and of course, uh, I would like us to take just, just a few seconds here. We've got to hurry or we won't get through it tonight. Uh, Go right back to verse 1, chapter 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard. You see, John is just simply repeating himself. What is that which we've had? It's the fact that the word of life was manifested. That eternal life, which was with the Father was made plain to the disciples. The person of Jesus Christ was explained, was brought to us by His being born of the Virgin Mary, His sinless life, His death on the cross, and His resurrection. Now let me ask you a question. Did the disciples understand that Jesus would die on the cross and rise again from the dead before it happened? Absolutely not. That's why Peter was trying to defend the Lord. That's why he got his knife out. And he's was, he was going to do some business. He was looking for a head. He got an ear. Who said there weren't Baptists in Jesus' disciples? Amen. Uh, he just didn't quite get the job done. In fact, Jesus stopped and, and derailed the whole thing and healed that man. Because that's not... How Jesus' work is done. Does that sound like an old commandment which we've had from the beginning? How many times have we heard from the Bible, if you'll just start in Genesis and read the Revelation, how many times are you going to find, not in these exact words, but this truth brought forth, it is not about you. The message of this book is about God. If you'd agree with me, say amen to that, would you? That is what the message is. That is how we understand. The story is about Jesus. And so, this old commandment, we've had from the beginning. This old commandment, we've heard over and over and over again. But now... John is going to switch on us. And it says again, a new commandment I write unto you. And he's going to explain which thing is true in him and in you. So, this new commandment is true in Jesus Christ. It's true in us. We still all together? And then we go on to the next one. Because the darkness is past, and the true light shineth. He says, the darkness is past. Well, let's talk about that darkness. What was that darkness? Well, part of it was not understanding God's complete plan. The disciples were really in the dark until Jesus appeared to them in the upper room in the first church service that Sunday night. And says, behold my hands and my feet. Now, they understood. They were Jewish men. Every one of them had been to the temple with sacrifices. Every one of them had participated in the Passover. That's why Jesus, in in the centuries following uh, his life, he was referred to as our Passover. Or the Passover lamb was another title for Jesus Christ. That's... In the book of Acts, when we get to chapter 12, the word Pascha, which is Hebrew for Passover, is translated Easter. And the reason it's done that way is because of the timing of the events. You see, the first day of unleavened bread, when did Jesus rise again from the dead? Three days later. The word Easter in English simply means the simplest definition. I know somebody here is going, yeah, Ishtar, false worship. No, if you look up the word Easter, it means the Christian celebration of Jesus' resurrection from the dead. That is the English definition of the word. Herod had put Peter in prison during the feast of the Passover. And he wasn't going to crucify two guys because the first guy he did that to came back to life. Herod was a little superstitious. So he was waiting until after the anniversary of Jesus' resurrection. Then he was going to kill Peter. And he was hoping it was going to stick. The only problem was that God sent his angel the night before and carried him out. But in common usage, that word, was talked about Passover as another title for Jesus. And so, what we have here is now we have an understanding of the gospel. The fact that Jesus would die on the cross as the eternal sacrifice of God, that He being God could not be holden by death, that He would rise again from the dead, and that with His resurrection He proved He has power over both sin and death, and can give eternal life to those that believe on Him. That's the gospel message. The death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. That light now shines. So, this commandment that John was writing, they had from the beginning. They had heard it over and over again, all the way through the Bible, from Genesis all the way up to the book of 1 John as we we get here. This commandment is new because we now understand differently about God's plan and how He works. And now we're going to skip over a few verses. And we're going to just skip right down to the commandment and then come back and try to tie it all together. Verse 15. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of the life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. There's the commandment. What did God tell Adam and Eve in the garden? You can eat of every tree in the garden except one. Now stop and think about the devil's temptation and read in your Bible. In fact, let's just go there for a moment. Genesis chapter 3. Verse 6. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took the fruit thereof and did eat. Now I want you to go back with me. First, John, hope you kept your finger there for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, she said, God is withholding something good for me. Jesus, God had told her, love not the things of the world. She said, this tree is good for food, lust of the flesh. The next one is, it was pleasant to the eyes. John tells us that all that is in the world is the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes. And then the last one, It is so plain, it's actually a commentary. Each verse is a commentary helping us to understand both of them. And a tree to be desired to make one wise, the pride of life. Does this sound like an old commandment which we've had from the beginning? Which we've heard over and over and over again, all the way through the Bible? And which is true in Christ... And true in us. And now that we understand how Christ paid for our sins on the cross. We have a whole new understanding. Of why God tells us not to love the world. And the things that are in it. Are we, are we together? You see. The Bible is if we'll read it carefully, if we'll put it where it belongs, it just tells us, listen, you see, the Jewish people had a different idea about the world. You see, they hated the world and they hated the Gentiles and they hated everybody who wasn't Jewish because they weren't Jewish and they weren't as good as they were. That's not an attitude that God has ever promoted in the Scriptures. God wants us not to love the world because everything that is in the world is passing away. It is a very limited time period. If you will just stop and look at what people strive for. How many know what year Rutherford B. Hayes was elected President of the United States? I just thought about this. I'm I'm sure I remember. I think it was 1842. I'm not 100% sure. I have to check that out. Do you know who he was running against? A man named Samuel Tilden. And why do I know the name Samuel Tilden? Because his name is on the deed of the property that the Union Baptist Church bought. He owned most of Greenpoint in the 1840s, and in 1862 he sold that 66-wide by 100-foot-deep piece of property, which now belongs to the Union Baptist Church, and he sold it to them to build a church on it. At that point it was called the First Baptist Church of Greenpoint, Long Island, because Brooklyn wasn't even a city yet. Isn't that amazing? Now, Greenpoint is not a city. Brooklyn is, a, is no longer a city. Brooklyn is a borough. And, and it's all stuck inside of New York City, how things have changed. And uh, what we're trying to just simply illustrate here is the Jewish people had an outlook on this world and a hatred for this world that was not was not endorsed by the scripture. The darkness is past. We can see clearly how God wants us to behave and what sin will do to you if you allow it in your life. And so, He wants us to Not allow ourselves to attach ourselves to the world. You know, there's a lot of definitions people give to love. But love is something that you will give yourself for. How about that definition? What will you give yourself for? I've watched preachers over the years devote themselves to an institution, to a Bible college. And when the Bible college changed, they changed right along with it. I saw some other preachers in that same group who said, I'm going to stand by this book and stand by this of the things that are written in this book and I'm going to love the local church and when the Bible college changed its direction and its doctrine they left the Bible college and stayed in their churches and kept doing exactly what they were doing before and now many of them have a new Bible college they work with, Heartland Baptist Bible College, which isn't so new anymore Uh, and we praise the Lord for what he does, but Your love is what you extend yourself for. What you give yourself for. How much effort do you put in on your job? I've watched people say, I hate my job. I just don't like where I'm working. Well, how many hours did you work last week? Oh, about 80. Well, it sounds like you gave a lot of time to your job. Maybe you don't hate it as much as you think you do. You're extending yourself to keep that job. Do you see what I'm saying? And the commandment here is not to allow that same kind of affection, that same kind of draw, that same kind of giving to be exercised in things of the world. And then he illustrates that point before he makes it, actually. And so we go back to um, to, to verse 9 and, and we see, again, this phrase as it is uh, repeated so many times through the book uh, of 1 John. He that saith. When you see that phrase, you know that somebody is claiming to be or do something they're not doing. Uh, this is John's... Uh, way of contrasting this is his way of showing because have you ever met anybody that attended church faithfully and was there every Sunday and said you know what I don't like the Bible I don't like what the preacher preaches I don't want to do anything I'm not going to live a holy life but I'm going to show up church every Sunday Have you ever met anybody like that chances are you're not going to at least not at this church because we want to make it rather uncomfortable for those kind of people. Amen? Uh, we, we want to make this a place where, where you are confronted with what is true and what isn't. And so, here we have, He that saith, he is in the light and hateth his brother, is in darkness even until now. Now, here's what he's saying. If you say you love God and you hate Your brother, by the way, study the Bible, find out who your brother is. It's not talking about someone who's born of the same mother. He said, he is in darkness even until now. You see, this is, again, one of the points in the Bible, why we say that once a person is truly saved, they can never lose that salvation. What John is saying here is, if you can say you love the Lord and you hate another human being, you're not saved. That's what he's saying. He is in darkness even until now. You see, we cannot love the things that are in the world. One of the things that's in the world is retribution, is it not? What does the Bible say about vengeance and paybacks and all of those things? It says that belongs to God. What did Jesus say about those who won't forgive? How many of you remember the parable of the man that owed 10,000 talents and the man that owed 100 pence? We, we worked that out into modern day. Uh, Ten thousand talents would be the equivalent of one point one six two million days' wages now how many how long would it take you to earn one million one hundred and sixteen thousand days' wages at three hundred and well at two hundred and forty work days a year uh, you do the math. Uh, It's going to be more than a dozen, it's going to be many, 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 many multiplied lifetimes. Uh, Not going to happen. Hundred pence, hundred days wages. Not even six months. You know what? You'll get out of debt eventually. Jesus said the ten thousand talents is what we owe to God. The hundred pence is what other people owe to us. And if we can't forgive others the little that they do against us, God's not going to forgive us the great amount of sin we've sinned against God. See, John is not playing games here. I mean, he is nailing it right down. He, he started out, brethren, I'm, I'm writing unto you as little children that you don't sin Because if you do sin, you have an advocate, you have a go-between with the Father, and He's going to pay the price for those sins. And and He says, I'm giving you, I'm not giving you a new commandment. Uh, I'm giving you an old commandment. I am reinforcing that which you have already had. We're not supposed to love the world. We're not supposed to love the things that are in the world. Every verse in the Bible teaches us that truth from Eve in the Garden of Eden up until the last chapter of Revelation. The Bible teaches us this truth. And if you can say that you love God and hold unforgiveness and hatred in your heart, the Bible says you don't understand. You're in darkness even until now. I wouldn't if I, if I found myself in that situation, I would not be trying to say, well, you know, uh, I, I believe I'm just a backslidden Christian. I wouldn't want to be content there. This wording is too strong. I'd want to get that thing solved. Amen? I'd want to get that thing put under the blood of Jesus and taken care of. And, and it says here in the next verse, just so we don't misunderstand, He... That loveth his brother abideth in the light, and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. But he that hateth his brother is in darkness, and walketh in darkness, and knoweth not whether he goeth, because that the darkness hath blinded his eyes." We're, we're going to have this brought back and forth, brought out in different ways in different parts of this book. But what, what John is saying here is if no one believes your lies, you will. It says you can be so deceived about your lost state that if somebody took the Bible and beat you over the head with it, it wouldn't do a bit of good. If the truth was there, because your eyes have been blinded by the darkness. Jesus had a passage in the Sermon on the Mount. He said, the light of the body is the eye, and if your eye be single, your whole body be full of light. He said, but if your eye is not, you're full of darkness. And he said, how great is that darkness? You know, it's... It's absolutely impossible to help someone who is blind to understand what it means to see. What's the old fable? They took three blind men and they brought them out to the zoo and said, here's an elephant. And the first one felt the trunk. It says he's soft and long and skinny like a snake. And the next one was standing by one of the massive legs of the elephant and says he's huge. He's like a brick wall. He doesn't move. And the last one, he was the unfortunate one. He got the tail. And he said, I, this, this beast has no substance at all. It's just like a little wavy thing in the air. They were all describing the same animal. The only problem was they couldn't see. They thought they had it all when they only had one little piece. I'll tell you what. That's the way so many people are with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why he's going to move into this next part here. Where he says, I write unto you little children, three groups. And we'll we'll be done on time. Little children, young men, and fathers, if we put them in order of age. And he's going to say some things here. He says, I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. You know, one thing about little children is they don't understand it all. And you know what? They don't have to. Do you remember when you got saved? Did you understand everything that was in the Bible? No. I've been saved since 1977 and uh, preaching since 1986. And guess what? I'll be the first in line to tell you I don't know a lot that's in the Bible. But I'm going to. Pre- I'm not going to use that as an excuse not to preach and teach the things that I do know that's in the Bible. Amen. Uh, I'm not going to use that as an excuse not to measure myself by the Word of God and find the shortcomings and ask God to fix those and, and improve, and we ought to move. But little children, the only thing they know is their sins are forgiven. Not for their sake, but because of what Jesus did. You know, Don't ever lose track of that. Then He says, I write unto you fathers... Because ye have known him, that is from the beginning. How many of you remember the time in your Christian life where you begin to understand that all of the religion that you had before you got saved was worthless? Do you remember how betrayed you fought, felt? And that people had lied to you and told you all these things and that you had actually believed them. And many times they said them holding a Bible in their hand or or having a Bible on the platform. You know what? There comes a time when you have to grow up and you have to understand that what is in this book has not changed since the Garden of Eden. It is the same message that we've had from the beginning. There is a God in heaven... There is a world in which we live, and if our affections are drawn to things that are in this world, we're not going to serve the God that is in heaven. And if we serve the God that is in heaven, our affections are not going to be on things of this world that can pass away. Our affections are not going to be set upon hurts and pains that others have caused us Because Jesus paid for every sin on the cross. We already dealt with that. He is a propitiation for our sins and not for our sins only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Our affections are solely on Jesus Christ. Then he says, I write unto you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you, little children, because ye have known the Father. I have written unto you, fathers, because ye have known him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you, young men, because ye are strong. And the word of God abideth in you, and ye have overcome the wicked one. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Could we go back to chapter 1, verse 5? This then is the message which we have heard of him, and declare unto you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. This is what John is saying. This is the old commandment that is brand new. Because now we understand so much more about God's plan, about the payment for sin, about all that God has done. And like little children, we know our sins are forgiven. All we know is, we know Jesus and He made us free. Amen? But there comes that time of struggle. Where we have to separate from the world. Where we have to lay the direction for our life in a pattern, in a path, that is directly opposed to the world. If you're going to serve Christ, that has to happen. There has to come a time when you turn your back on the world and walk away from the world so that you may embrace Christ. That's the young men. The fathers, you see the big picture. When God said, let there be light, He was talking about what the Son gives us, but also what the S-O-N, Jesus Christ, gives us. How that we will see our sins and our failures and the our inability to serve God and that if we will walk in the light as he is in the light, we're going to have fellowship with other believers that believe. If we say, how many times has John said, if we say? He said, if we say we have no sin, says we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar. It says He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments. He that saith, he is in the light, and hateth his brother. You see, the greatest battle that is going to be fought in your life is with you. Oftentimes, people will come to church, and a few weeks, they'll make a profession of faith. Then they just disappear. It's happened many times over the years. I've met people who say, well, yeah, I did exactly what you said when I was 12 years old at a Bible school where... My grandmother took me to church when I was a little boy, and I trusted Jesus as my Savior. What are you doing about it now? Oh, well, you know, when I get a chance, I'll I'll get that straightened out. Here's what the Bible says. We, We need to be careful. And see, here's where the church comes in. Here's why you need to be under the preaching of the Word is because that is going to be the thing that is going to keep you constantly accountable and constantly moving in the right direction. And it's going to encourage you to be obedient to the Word of God. And if you're not, it's going to be that constant thorn in your side to goad you toward the truth and toward Jesus Christ. See, that's, how, that's the part the church plays. That's why it is so important. And see, here's one of those little times that you can check yourself. You can go through. And and listen, I'm not asking for some confessional to me. I'm asking you to be honest with yourself and with God. Is there someone... I've refused to forgive. Is there someone that I... And that word, hatred, implies refusal to forgive. If I have that in my heart, I don't need to be examining my love for the Word of God. I need to be examining the issue of my salvation. That's what this passage is talking about. You see, the commandment is this, love not the world. What is in the world? Do you know that some people have put so much affection on the hurt that they have endured in this life that they won't let go of that thing, they won't forgive, they, won't, they will not uh, let the Lord take that burden away from them? And the Bible says you can miss heaven by doing that. The answer is in making sure that my love is toward God and toward His Word. Because everything that's in this world is going to pass away. Just one quick story. I had a young man talk to me several years ago about an issue in his life. And he was having problems with his dad. wasn't one of my kids. Somebody else's. And uh, I just said, you know something? I said, you're a young man. I said, and you're at that point where you're starting to make life's decisions. and, And you just are having a problem with your dad interfering in that decision making process. I said, does that describe it pretty well? He said, Yeah, yeah. I said, now, can we just put this out very plainly? I said, how much longer is your dad gonna be alive? He said, um I don't know. Maybe ten, fifteen years. I said, well I said, let's stretch it out. Let's say live twenty, twenty five years. I said, you're going to be in your thirties. Is that such a long time to pull your horns in and just stop fighting with your dad so you can enjoy that time in your life? Would that be such a tragedy? He said, well, really, it wouldn't be. He said, well, then why can't you do it? I said, I don't want to. I said, you need to let God make you want to. We don't have that long on this earth. The trouble and the trial that we face is passing. Don't set your heart on that. Set your heart on Jesus. Surrender it to Him. And you know what you're going to do? You're going to keep the old commandment, which we've had since the Garden of Eden. You're going to fulfill that thing which was reiterated in almost every verse in your entire Bible. You're going to understand the new commandment in the light of Jesus Christ because it's the same old commandment that we've already had. You're going to understand that commandment as a little child and later in your spiritual development as a young man as you finally set that course that leads you away from the world and toward the truth of the gospel. And then once you get rooted in that pathway and separated from the world, you're going to be like that older gentleman sitting in a rocking chair and saying, I remember the struggles that you're having right now. But I'll tell you this, they're worth it. It's worth the struggle to serve Christ all God's people said? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you. Lord, we ask you to help us understand the new commandment, which is the old commandment, which is the fulfillment of everything that's in this book called the Bible. And Lord, that we would examine our life for areas where our affections and our Willingness to give ourselves has been extended toward the world in these passing things that just simply aren't going to be here. Lord, I pray that once again as we look into your word that we would devote ourselves to that which is eternal. That we would be among those that do the will of God and have eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We ask you to work during this time of invitation and challenge us again from your word. Before we finish that prayer, if you need to just slip out, the altar's open.